The following program is sponsored by Team Reba of Remax Metro East Side and Eric Osnes of Home Street Bank Home Mortgage. Welcome to Open House with Team Reba. Each week, Team Reba will be bringing you a roundup of real estate and mortgage news, along with information about the local Puget Sound region, highlighting some of the best and brightest entertainment options, family events, neighborhood highlights, and local business interviews, so you can feel right at home in the Pacific Northwest. Welcome once again to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Reba Hassa, Team Reba, Remax Metro East Side. And I'm Eric Ostens from Home Street Bank Home Mortgage. Yeah, here on a gorgeous fall day. Beautiful Love it outside. while you got it. Warm out. It's Get outside. Nice out. That's take right. your take your phone outside and listen to us. You know, streaming on KKOL.com or iHeartRadio, whatever That's you got to right. do. That's Enjoy right. it while you have it. Sort of good beach uh, dialogue to listen to. Yeah. Soaking up the rays today. Yeah. I don't know if I'd be at the beach, but I'd be at least outside on a stroll looking at the beautiful turning leaves. You know what? I was actually really enjoying I I try and get out every morning. Um, Well, I shouldn't say I try. I am out every morning because I have a dog named Rusty. Anybody who follows me on social media knows he has his own Instagram and Facebook pages and such. And uh, we go out and walk around our neighborhood. And there are some beautiful fall examples of you know trees changing the leaf colors and just oh i was just stopped and staring for probably a good 30 seconds at this one gorgeous uh maple leaf tree that just uh every every fall it doesn't doesn't matter i have to stop and just never fails to impress yeah it's always impressive i just there's some trees that are the most stunning at this time of year that's a good time of year. you gotta enjoy it because i mean our lives are so crazy that you gotta take that moment every once in a while and appreciate the nature around well, you if, and if you haven't ever had the chance take the north cascades highway oh yeah know, run over the mountains it's one you're of saying most, especially if you got a harley oh, this time of year yeah <laughs> if, if you happen to have two wheels even better uh-huh. uh, but this time of year it, that's one of the most beautiful highways in in the country you know i'd, I'd put that up against against you, well the scenery is i don't know about beautiful. the highway itself the scenery, the scenery is around the highway very very cool yes yeah very yeah. very good you know what else is really crazy right now mm. though mm-hmm the market? The market is nuts. Which one? They're all crazy. I know. It's been, you know, we've, well, we've been seeing some different things going on in the real estate market locally, right? Mm-hmm. We talk a lot about how frothy everything is um, in many of the marketplaces, um, but there's some that are doing better than others, mm-hmm. right? Right. And, and some are starting to slow down. I actually, it was funny, I was talking to my husband the other day because he saw an ad on TV because Mainview Homes, which is... Uh, it's not a local builder. They build locally, but right. they're actually an Australian, Australian company, company, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they showed up here in 2012 when our market shifted, mm-hmm. and, right? And they've been doing very, very well. Extremely well. Extremely well. But there was an ad, and you're going to start noticing before the end of the year that mm-hmm. all of these new construction builders are offering incentives and bonuses. Right. It's coming back. Yeah. Things are well, starting to slow just a little bit. But it's also because they have shareholders. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that was the sure. conversation I had with my husband. I was like, they have shareholders. They have to do an end of year. Mm-hmm. They're trying to get rid of inventory, and they do this every year. And mm-hmm. everyone always thinks, oh, the builders must be in trouble. No, they're not. They're mm-hmm. trying to hit financials for their end of year summaries. That's right. So I'm like, most of that is really about clear out whatever inventory they've got because they want to get to the next projects, right? So I will say, listeners, if you're looking at new construction, do do remember that you have a right to having your own representation 
On-site agents don't have to be the people who write up your offers. Regular agents can help represent you in new construction sales. But a very specific thing you need to know is when you go on site to any new construction, you need to make sure and put that information down that you have an agent that you're working with. Preferably, you've already picked them in advance and aren't going to try and come after the fact. Because the thing is, the builders try to save money on commissions by getting you to log in without an agent. Because then if you bring someone in later, they deny paying them compensation or they reduce it drastically, one or the other. Every builder is a little bit different. So the thing is, is new construction can be just as complicated, if not more complicated Mm -hmm. than a resale property, because you still want to do inspections. You still want to have things done that you would do in any other traditional sale, because guess what? New construction has problems too. We even have a YouTube video. Yes, it does. Yeah. We posted a YouTube video about two years ago about that, where I was actually in a house and we were discussing, well, what can go wrong? Uh, a lot. There's a lot of Let's things see. that can go wrong. Where do we start? Yeah, I had one not too long ago that uh, after the we had a home inspection done, brand new house just being built, uh-huh. had a final sign off from the county. Yeah, and uh, someone forgot to hook up the toilets to the sewer line down oh, in the basement rut row. there. Yep, that wasn't a good. That's thing. That's a big rut row. Yep, you oh know we've had, we've had. <laughs> We've had, you know, cracking, lots of, you know, uh-huh. settling. And, and a home is a, a, a complex organism oh, if yeah. you think about it. It's a living, so breathing entity. There's a lot entity. of things that go into that. In the first, you know, six months or so, that home's going to gonna settle. It's going to move mm-hmm. around maybe a little bit. It's going to oh, yeah. contract, expand with heat and cold. Yeah. Just and, like a body. Uh, just like a body. Lots of things can happen and change. Mm-hmm. So you really want to rely on, on a, have a, a quality builder that's going to back up their product because guess yep. what? There's going to be some punchless things, you know, a few Absolutely. items that will need to be dealt with And after you'll, you'll want to be checking those reviews. You're going to want to be seeing mm. what online commentary is about some of these builders. I will say um, a past client that we worked with together was actually going through some punchless stuff and I was talking on them on, on Facebook. You know, I still stay in touch with a lot of our clients through social media. And she had um, somebody in doing the punch list items. And I'm like, aren't you guys a few months past your one year? And she went, yeah, but, you know, this builder has been because I was like, tell me, tell me what your experience is like. I want to know in case I have another person wanting to buy from the same uh, company. And she went, oh, no, this has been great. They've been very lenient with their 12 month policy because usually they cut you off. In fact, often they want to get by the 11th month and then get it off their books completely and then not have to deal with it again. That's right. So she was really pleased that uh, the folks over at DR Horton were willing to come back Mm -hmm. after the fact and stand behind the product. And that's what you want to start. Those are questions you want to ask those builders. We had a builder once that he, he's their, their contract said that if you have a problem, a punch list item Mm -hmm. that they, you have to give them notice and then they will arrive sometime on either a Tuesday or Thursday between 8 a.m. And 4 p.m. Yep. And so what they'd do is they the builder would sit in their truck and they'd wait for the person to get tired of waiting and leave, and then go put a note on the door saying, "Sorry, you know, you weren't here. We're we're relieved of this obligation." So I'm happy that, to say that that builder is no longer okay. In business. That, I'm happy to know that they're no yeah. longer around because that's they, a pretty but, shoddy builder. But they built a lot of homes and mm. with a lot of problems. So yeah. they, they were definitely out there. Okay. Got to watch that one. Yes, you got to be careful. So, got to know who you're doing business yeah, with. Yeah, just be careful. One other thing that was super crazy busy this last week. Mm-hmm. So we put a beautiful little house in Wallingford on the market last week mm. on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And we're looking at offers tomorrow 
So yeah. if any of our listeners happen to be in that frenzy of activity, offers are due by 2 p.m. tomorrow. This is 1618 North 48th Street. 48, three mm-hmm. block walk to Dick's Drive-In. Uh, no. Close? No. It's, it's, it's close, though. Yeah. Yeah. Good. It's, okay. Yeah, it's close. That's how I judge things. It's about three blocks to the QFC. Okay, there we or, go. Or I don't okay. even think that's QFC anymore, but it's three blocks from the grocery the over there. Wallingford Market there, But yeah. no, we had an open house this weekend with um, Marissa and Chow and our team, along with another lender um, partner, and they had 37 different parties show up during that window of time, Yeah, along with a lot of agents with their clients oh, as well yeah, so i mean it was just prime, mayhem in there prime, prime area. and the thing is this place yeah. is 900 square feet it's on the market for six hundred thousand oh, dollars and we're we've already had five pre-inspections we helped coordinate multiple agents who were um all mm. sharing in on a sewer scope mm-hmm. that was quite an interesting sort of little sewer exercise sco- sewer party yeah there you go yeah yeah it was Great. a scope party it was yeah, very interesting fine. I, I certainly don't want any of those people at a colonoscopy I go to because that's like it's a little too many people in the room. No, you, you, know? want to, you don't want to, you don't want to share on that one. <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, keep it to yourselves. Yeah, but they all shared in on the cost on I, that. So that I just want fun. to make a pitch though for yeah. your husband James Rupp. Okay, because James is a home inspector, but he also he does is. sewer scopes, and he and does. He did a sewer scope for my brother. Oh God. <laughs> And uh, and they do a video, and so I don't know uh-huh. if you've ever seen it, the sewer scope, but it's basically a video a house of this thing going up through this pipe, you know, mm-hmm. as it kind of goes along, goes oh, along, yeah. goes along. I saw a really gross one and, the other day; it was not fun. But on my brother's, at the very end, he had like a little dancing poo man <laughs> yeah, at the end of it. I laughed so hard when he put funny. that together. <laughs> I think you ought to do that on all of his sewer scopes, actually. You know, we did discuss that. We thought it might be kind of fun if he had a, like a little dancing. There poo, needs to be a payoff. A little dancing crew of poo. If you're going to sit through two or three minutes of going through a pipe, you know, there mm-hmm. needs to be a payoff at the end. You've got to have I, After something. the one I saw yesterday, I would wholeheartedly agree because I was really disgusted. This oh, one. Yeah. Well, you know, we do want to really put out there that 70% of the homes that are in America today are 30 years or older. Right. 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 Oh, yeah. Those and systems so are getting old. Those systems, and especially when you're in a uh, earth movement prone area like we are. Mm-hmm. Things shift, right? Yes, Things can do. move and crack, and you don't know, and you're attached to other people sometimes through right. the sewer lines and all of that. And we have found that in the five to seven years we've been habitually now recommending these, there's a substantial number with issues. And this mm-hmm. one that I watched uh, the other day, yay fun, for me, he could only get out about uh, 35 feet, and there were... Uh, root intrusions and blockages and, you know, other kinds of fun stuff to watch yep. that. Go through. I still don't know why he bought one that's color. I really wish he'd gone for the black and white version because uh, I really don't need well, all of that. You know. And, you know, <laughs> it's like, uh. but anyway, uh, I'm going to get off that. But the PSA is have those lines checked. If you've yeah. lived in a home a long time, you might want to check because you don't want to have it come back at you as a surprise. That's right. It's worth the couple of hundred That's bucks it costs to get it done. the type of surprise that people really Nobody likes that welcome. kind of surprise. That's not a good surprise. Never a happy no. surprise. No, definitely no. not. Definitely not. No, where you get happy surprises are things like coming to our home buyer class. There you go, where you learn about things Where like you this. learn about things and you get benefits and you also hmm? get a free lunch. That's right. We feed you. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we are uh, coming up on November 11th yes. in West Seattle at the Youngstown Cultural Arts Center, which is right on Delridge Avenue. Mm-hmm. This is the official Washington State Housing Finance Commission class for first-time homebuyers. Yep. Uh, both Reba and I volunteer for the for the commission, and we teach this class. Uh, taking it will make you eligible for special financing programs, mm-hmm. zero-down programs, possibly yeah. tax credits. We talk about a lot of those programs and how you can take advantage of essentially getting some free money to yeah, help with your down which payment. Is a really nice surprise. Right? So we get yeah. you all up to date on the financing end, and then Reba gets you all up to date on everything you need to know about buying a home. Yeah, and we talk strategy. We talk strategy, mm-hmm. you know, how to, how to best leverage yourself. How um, to interview agents. Yep. And you know loan what officers. For, what to look for in an offer. Yeah. That's right. There's a lot. So, Lots and lots and lots there. So if you're interested, info at teamreba.com, or you can go to the website, teamreba.com. When we come back, we have Josh Brown, Executive Director of the Puget Sound Regional Council. Stay tuned. Got lots of questions coming up. If you'd like to call into the show, now's your chance. It's 866-712-1300. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Eric Osnes from Home Street Bank. And I'm Reba Haas from Team Reba. And every Tuesday at 3 o'clock, we'll bring information on real estate and finance. Uh, this is a live call-in show, so if you have questions for us or our guests, mm-hmm. you can reach us toll-free at 866-712-1300. Yeah, or you can also send in questions, if you like, on our Twitter feed. Uh, I'm at Team Reba. And, and we're also on Facebook at the moment. That's right. And I met Eric is my banker. Yes. E-R-I-C. Yeah. And our guest, in case you want to track them down on Twitter, is at Sound Region. There you go. And they also have a Facebook page. So. Excellent. Yes. Excellent. Well, good, good, good. Yeah. So before we jump in, we'll give a real quick update on interest rates. Okay. There is some movement um, going on on rates today. Uh, we'll kind of these things. We don't need a sewer scope for that movement. No, we, we? don't. Well, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> okay, good. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, markets are, are a little bit jittery today. They're they're trying to decide um, who's going to be the next Fed chairman. You know, there's John Taylor is okay. being bandied about, uh, along with Jerome Powell, who's currently a, a Fed board member. Uh, Taylor is, is perceived as being not quite as low interest rate friendly as Powell is. And so uh, the markets are moving around a little bit trying to decide what's going on. Uh, today, so far, it's been a little bit ugly out there. At least 15 different mortgage lenders have increased their rates during the day today. Ooh. Uh, so we've got a little Does bit of... Does that include uh, you guys? Uh, no, actually, we're, we're hanging in there. Okay. Um, but it is putting a little bit of upward pressure on rates. Okay. The national averages today for a conventional 30-year fixed rate loan is hovering right around 4.02%. Oh, yeah. So up a little over 4%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's been a while year, since we've seen that. Mm-hmm. Not bad, though, still. but No, it's still good. 15-year fixed rates hovering around 3.31%. Okay. FHA and VA. God, we love our VA mm-hmm. customers. We've been getting a lot of them lately. Yeah, it's been good. Yeah. That's good. Um, 3.65% for 30-year fixed rate. Maybe that's why. That could be part of it. <laughs> yes. Jumbo. Especially with no PMI on that's, the ones for VA. That's right. Uh, jumbo 30-year fixed rates. Uh, if you're anywhere in King, Snohomish, Pierce counties, that's anything over the $592,250 mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're hovering right around 42 
So okay. up, a, up, a up a little bit, bit. as well. So okay. uh, these rates tend to ebb and flow. Again, these are national averages for rates. Your rates will vary based mm-hmm. on your interest. Ooh, ooh. Uh, your, Question. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On the VA, mm-hmm. is there a cap on uh, dollar limits? On dollar limits. You mean the loan amount yeah. loan limits? Well, for zero down, um, it's going to be right around that same 592 amount. However, most lenders will let you go well above that, but then you'll start having to kick in a down payment. Well, I got to say, because of where the prices have gone in our mm-hmm. area, I yeah. can completely see why anyone who's eligible for VA would mm-hmm. go that direction. Oh, it's the best program out there. It's a heck of a yeah. bargain. We can lend up over $1.5 million on a VA yeah. transaction. Let us help. Thank you for your with, service. With a, with a nominal With a great uh, rate. <laughs> yeah, abs- absolutely. It's it's really um, one of the, one of the greatest benefits that a veteran's going to have. You yeah, know, coming out of active military, yeah, or reserves, or National Guard, or Coast Guard. Mm-hmm. You know, if or if you're the surviving spouse right. of a of a veteran, yeah, um, it's it's really really worth as checking long as out. you have that valid certificate. Right. Well, it's called your DD214. That's right. You got it. Got to have it, though. That's right. That's right. So uh, rates uh, trending up a little bit so far this week. Hopefully, they'll settle back down, and we'll check in again next week. All right. Maybe we'll know by the class what's going to happen. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So shall we get on to our guest? Let's do. All right. So we are introducing Josh Brown, who's the executive director of the Puget Sound Regional Council. Thank you so much for coming in today. Absolutely. Reba, Eric, thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. We're very thrilled to have you here. And um, we have loads of questions because we got introduced to the idea of who you guys are, but then it began a lot more questions for me cascading of like, Exactly who are you? Like, are you a government agency or are you a private agency layering over a government agency? What exactly is the Puget Sound Regional Council? Because sure. it sounds very official. Yeah, well, I'd be happy to get into that. And uh, I'm glad you got the sewer scope questions out on the first segment for <laughs> sure. So the Puget Sound Regional Council, we're a council of governments. Okay. We're a metropolitan planning organization under federal law. There's actually okay. organizations that do what we do on transportation planning in every metropolitan region in the country. Every single uh, one? Yeah. Okay. Um, was, there's some things that okay. we do that other regions don't do, and there's some things that other parts of our country uh, and other regions and regional councils don't do. Uh, but it was actually Governor Dan Evans who formed mm-hmm. our mm-hmm. – precursor organization, the Governmental Conference, back okay. in the late 1960s. Mm-hmm. This was when we were building as a country the interstate highway program. And right. one of the things that the federal government, since they were paying 90% of the cost of the interstate highway system, wanted to make sure that they did. A lot of those funds were being passed through to build the highway system uh, to state governments. And the federal government wanted to make sure that locals had a seat at the table. So regional councils were formed to do, to develop transportation plans for regions so that there was give and take between city and county leaders as well as state leaders on important transportation policy. And isn't it a requirement that you, to uh, obtain federal funding, you must have a regional council? Yeah, we have to have an adopted transportation plan and Mm -hmm. uh, updated every four years under federal law. Okay. And then some of the things that make us unique as a regional council, that Mm -hmm. transportation planning and funding element, again, you know, we have many peer uh, agencies in other parts of Washington State, uh, but also throughout the country. But because we have a Growth Management Act in our state, right? Mm-hmm. when we were reorganized in the early 1990s as the Puget Sound Regional Council, before that we were the Puget Sound uh, Council of Governments, mm-hmm. uh, we took on within the same central Puget Sound planning area that we do transportation planning, growth management planning. 
and we also serve uh, and staff and support the Economic Development District for the Central Puget Sound. So the region, when we talk about the Puget Sound Regional Council and what is our region, it's King County, Snohomish County, Pierce County, and Kitsap County. Got it. I grew up in Kitsap County in the metropolis of Pulse, but was a kid. Oh, there you go. uh, Yeah, oofta. Yeah, exactly. Well, you've been to probably Sly's Bakery on absolutely uh, on Front Street. Absolutely. Oh yeah. no, are you going to go off in Norwegian again? No, I'll try and I'll try and t- rein it in. We talked about okay. Ludafisk last week. Last week, so we're we good. talk about Ludafisk, Ludafisk, sewer scope. Uh, you know, I'm looking outside your window here. There's hmm, not a cloud in the sky, and this yeah. is our topic. There today. you go. <laughs> yeah, we we bring the fun, you know, all the time. But uh, okay, so you just hit a bunch of topics that now I I have even more questions about Good. what you guys do. But okay, so one thing you said that every every region who is getting funding uh, for transportation, what's like, is there a size of the region though? Like, a, is it like a big metro area? Or is it just like, because Mon- Montana, I can't, I mean, is there a council like this? In yeah, all great question. States? So for the work that we do, there's thresholds to be urbanized areas. So in okay. our state, places like Spokane fall under that uh, okay. designation. But if you were, um, you know, very rural part of Montana okay. or other parts of our country, no, no, not yeah. so much. Okay. okay. So in in your council, I've I mean, I've looked at your your board of directors and your mm-hmm. members. You you pretty much have either mayors or council people from mm-hmm. from many many of the governments and municipalities in our sort of central puget sound area how do you get anything done how does this work <laughs> well we have a great board okay and and you know one of the things and uh, so i've been executive director now for four years mm-hmm. before that i uh, was a board member i was a county commissioner mm-hmm. i served seven years as a county commissioner over in kitsap county mm-hmm. so i was active on our board and, you know, one of the things that really uh, drew me to participate as a board member and then really was a major interest for me to uh, to apply and, mm-hmm. you know, serve as executive director was how collaborative our board are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, our region is really diverse. You know, I, yes, I, I share the anecdote about growing up in Paulsbo, but, you know, from Stanwood down to Edenville, mm-hmm. uh, when you're out in North Bend or Granite Falls, we have a really diverse region, let alone our most urban mm-hmm. areas. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. And I think... You know, our regional council, one of the things I really give a lot of credit to our elected officials on is they come to the regional table trying to solve big problems that they know they can't solve on their own. And when it comes to managing growth, when it comes to transportation, mobility, how do we have a vibrant Mm -hmm. economy? Those aren't things that stop at a city or a county border. Those are regional in nature. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I think naturally we've been able to draw together some really incredible regional leaders and they are those elected leaders. Those are my bosses, the mayors and county commissioners and port commissioners and city mm-hmm. council members from the region. And it's really special to me when you see folks that might be representing a, a, a small to medium-sized city, which most of our cities in our region are small to medium-sized. Yes, right. mm-hmm. But they can get involved in our regional council and really play a meaningful role to help chart a course for the future. Okay. So we've had somebody on here before from Sound Transit. Okay. So – is this council then doing a lot of work with them and, say, Port of Seattle for all the planning that they're doing? Because we've also had Port of Seattle on. Great and, question. Yeah. So how, how do you guys interact with them? Really closely. So um, we developed the region's transportation plan. But yeah, because I see on your website there's a Transportation 2040. That's our regional plan. Out. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So anyone who wants to go and see this, go to psrc.org, and then you can click on the links to get there. 
There's thousands of people typing that in as we speak, I know. Hey, you never know. Yeah. You but never you, know. I'm, at, I'm but, putting it on all over social media. So, But, Reba, you asked a great question, which is, so, you know, you develop plans, and we're a planning agency, so our strength is our data and our analysis. Mm-hmm. How do you implement these plans? Well, there mm-hmm. are local elected officials. So let me walk you through what this looks like in our region. And if you just take King County as an example, the county runs Metro, our largest bus mm-hmm. provider. Right. Um, you have... Um, you know, the, the, the county and our cities within King County play an incredible role in terms of planning for that growth. But what ends up happening is uh, many of our board members, mm-hmm. and let's take somebody like uh, the county executives, all three of them, uh, both for Kings, uh, Snohomish, and Pierce County. Mm-hmm. They serve on my board. They help to adopt and develop our, our regional transportation plan. But then they go and they appoint all the board members to the Sound Transit Board. Okay. And then similarly, uh, in the case of King County or... Uh, the local transit mm-hmm. districts in Pierce and Snohomish, those county executives and the county council members and the mayor serving on both my board and many times the Sound Transit Board are oftentimes serving on the local transit. So you have the same people making and the connections to implement mm-hmm. these important policies. They're not serving on one board and have no responsibility elsewhere. They're the folks that are, are going to be trying to tie it all together. Right. Well, let's talk about, you know, we you've mentioned, you know, central Puget Sound, especially it's such a diverse area, a lot of different sort of needs and, and some conflicting, you know, issues as well. So how t- let's talk about the, your forecasting, your demographics for this area. You know, I, I see your plan is Vision 2040. How, where do you see this region going? What's it going to look like? Well, we hit 4 million residents sometime last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We and we have, have 58,000 more a year coming yeah. in. So we have a million residents that will be here in our four counties by 2040. So we're going to mm-hmm. move from 4 million residents to 5 million residents between now and 2040. Wow. That's, that's a lot of houses. And we can get in deeper of, in terms of some other things we're tracking. Right, but right. Yeah. Yeah. okay, and, and the impacts on, on not only housing but That's what we're getting prepared for. Everything else, yeah. okay. Well, and that's still really good hear- to hear because, you know, Puget Sound Business Journal, their uh, latest edition special report was all about Amazon and everyone still freaking out basically <laughs> about the H- mm-hmm. H2Q or HQ2 uh, thing. That, and everyone just thinks it's going to empty out here. But we're going to talk about this and more with the Puget Sound Regional Council's Josh Brown when we come back on Open House with Team Reba. Got a question? Call it in. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Reba Hassa, Team Reba, REMAX Metro East Side. And I'm Eric Osnes from Home Street Bank Home Mortgage. Yeah, and we have in the studio here with us Josh Brown, the Executive Director of Puget Sound Regional Council. Thanks again for being here. Absolutely. Yeah, so before we went on our break, we were kind of touching on the whole Amazon thing and how everyone's still kind of freaking out about that. But Puget Sound Regional Council is looking at a broader view than just one company, right? Like when they're talking about all the people who are coming here, you're saying we're going from four to five million people by 2040. What's that look like from an employment landscape? What are you guys seeing? Yeah, great question. So let me maybe run through some of the things that I find yeah. you know, really interesting about the times that we live in. First yeah. of all, the job growth that we've seen over the last five and six years it's been historic. Oh, yes, it has. So if you look at the last two years, we've seen over 60,000 
jobs uh, each year created. The last time we saw job generation on an annual basis to that degree, you'd have to go back to 1997 or 1998. Mm -hmm. I always remind people, if they were in the region back in the late 90s, oh, yeah. what was it like? And most people, I wonder, you know, are thinking, what was on TV or, you know. Oh, right, 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 yeah. right. But what I always share with people is, if you owned Microsoft stock in 97 or 98, it seemed like mm -hmm. it was splitting every nine months. It right. was. And yeah. if you lived here, yeah. you remember you remember that. So that's oh, yeah. the intensity of the mm -hmm. job All the growth. Microsoft millionaires popping out too. So we've seen over 300,000 jobs created in the last five years. And what's interesting, if you look back at the last five years, there's been two major drivers, aerospace and IT. Right. Right. They've been, those are our largest export-driven clusters as a yep. region, and they've also both been thriving. In fact, in other mm -hmm. sectors, we might have grown employment, things like tourism right. or life sciences. But tourism is a great example. We've grown jobs because the economy is better, but we're actually growing tourism-related jobs. So this includes hospitality and Argosy right. cruises and all the things you think about. We're growing at a slower than the national rate. Aerospace and IT, we're growing mm -hmm. jobs significantly faster than the national rate. So that's mm -hmm. what's happened in the right. rear view mirror. Mm -hmm. um, I think we all know, looking forward, that a sector, a mature sector like aerospace, it's not going to create the additional jobs moving mm -hmm. forward in the next five years as it has in the right. previous five. You know, a best example is the Renton plant where we've built every mm -hmm. 737 mm -hmm. ever built known to man. Oh, yeah. We're yeah. building many, many more airplanes. Yep. It's ramping up production at the plant, but yep. it's the same or They're fewer people. They're about 46 a month right now. Right. Yeah. So Working IT, to 52. IT really has been, I think, you know, if you ask folks in the regional economy where, you know, what's going to drive additional job growth for those export-oriented sectors, you know, IT, I think, is the thing that folks are, are pointing to. So the Amazon HQ2 mm -hmm. announcement, that's a reality check for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. That's Absolutely. what we're Big looking time. at. And, you know, the other thing I just would make sure that folks understand, when I talk about export-oriented jobs, things like uh, our maritime jobs, trade and logistics, IT, mm -hmm. aerospace, life sciences, you know, when we have one IT job, that's creating a whole heck of a lot of other jobs that are local jobs, construction right. jobs, mm -hmm. uh, you know, jobs right. in the restaurant industry, et cetera. So we want... We focus on those export-oriented jobs because that's how we get other people's money from outside well, the region it's here. It's called a job multiplier, and I don't exactly. know. Bo Boeing used to right. have almost a two-job multiplier, so every Boeing job created an additional two or more I thought it was six ancillary. at one point. It could have been even higher than that. Yeah, I thought it was yeah. six. Do you have any current stats on, on something like what, a, what an Amazon position or an IT position might you know, create. a lot of it depends on the salary levels, but mm -hmm. I think what you'll see for the IT sector is, uh, and for all these export-driven sectors, it's going to be four, five, six, and above, mm -hmm. depending Excellent. on in the yeah. classification. Yeah. So yeah. the last five years, one of the things that's an interesting regional trend mm -hmm. is the fact that 87% of the jobs created in our region have been created just in King and Snohomish County. Mm -hmm. Sure. They've so been if, very concentrated, yes. So if you take Pierce and Kitsap County, that's a million-plus residents in those two counties, a quarter of our region's population, mm -hmm. but they're only getting about 12 or 13% of the jobs, right. half the per capita rate. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Well, go back to what I just shared with you about the drivers for the economy, aerospace mm -hmm. and IT. Where are they focused? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're not in those Pierce areas. Pierce County and Kitsap, where I'm from, are predominantly yeah. military communities. Right. So they're exactly. not enjoying that, that bursting at the seams. It's a very – if you have conversations with folks – and Kitsap or Pierce, it feels like a very different local economy than South Snohomish County, which is sandwiched right. between these major mm -hmm. economic right. drivers. Yeah. Right. When right. I have people talk to me, either just because they're purchasing and trying to find a place that fits for them 
for maybe it's a, a two income earner household and they're trying to figure out, okay, what's the location we can be at and you can get to your job and I can get to my job and each of us has maybe an equidistant crappy commute <laughs> or, right. or one is closer to the other, but there's maybe some future light rail or something that might come down the, the road for them to, to be able to take advantage of. They're looking at a lot of it, North King County and Snohomish County, because that is a place where they can go either side of the lake, you know, and I have couples where one's at Amazon and one's at Microsoft, or maybe I've got one that works in North Seattle and the spouse works at the Everett facility. Um, But we're also seeing, you know, like as Boeing has some adjustments right now, there's some layoffs going on there. And some of those seniority positions are moving down to rented. So we're seeing a few things moving around. Well, and and regionally, I mean, we're, we're sorry. I have a, I have a builder. I know he builds a a mm -hmm. home in Woodenville and he builds a home in Paul's bow, identical home, same size, same lot, everything. That home in Paul's bow is almost a hundred thousand dollars less than the home in Woodenville. And they're both about a one hour commute to downtown Seattle. Right. You know, so, uh, I'm surprised it's only a hundred thousand dollars. Right. Well, you see, but we have customers that are starting to see that. And I, I I kind of joke about it, Mm -hmm. but I call it drive till you qualify. Right. You know, as they're getting priced out of King County, Snohomish County, they're starting to head South into Pierce and West into Kitsap. And, uh, you know, so I, in fact, I met with a customer yesterday that's looking in Belfair, you know, mm-hmm. because that's where he could, you know, felt he could he could be achieve his his housing goals, you know, for a for a decent price. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. We so, we had someone who works at the UW that uh, we sold a place in Clinton, right there you know, you go. on Woodby. <laughs> so okay, so Josh Josh Brown with the Puget Sound Regional Council. So how does transportation fit into this into this mix? It's the issue on everyone's mind. Mm-hmm. You know, we oftentimes are doing survey work as a planning agency, asking real folks in the region. What are their priorities? What are their concerns? Mm-hmm. What are the things we need to get right? The last couple of years, as we've ramped up with the regional economy and a lot of people have been put back to work and we've seen a lot of growth, mm-hmm. transportation is, has been far and away the number one issue on people's minds. Right. Affordability is usually number two on the list. Yep. Mm-hmm. So exactly. I don't think that surprises anyone here. And I always tell folks that when it comes to the regional trends that we track as a planning agency, transportation, mm-hmm. affordability, where growth is happening, Reba, back to your point, mm-hmm. it's all about the jobs. How many are mm-hmm. be cr- being created right. where? Yeah. So I do have one question about transportation, just because it's a bone to pick because I live there. What the heck with not getting any kind of sound transit through Renton? <laughs> like, that's, like, seriously, it's probably the worst place. Yeah. And we got nothing on either of the transit well, that's packages. not the only, only we got community. Nothing. Uh, it's not the only community, but yeah. we're one of those critical mm-hmm. mass points right. that pretty much got nothing. And we're one of the, the best centered places for potential growth. Mm-hmm. And that just blew me away as someone who's, I'm on the uh, chamber board of directors. I'm on the foundation board for the, the college there. And we were all just stunned at how, you know, cause when, when we're promoting that community, we are centrally located. When we're talking to people about the, the, the proximity to the airport and other cities, it's like, how did we get so hosed? Well, <laughs> Redden, Renton is always ahead of the curve. We know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, not my favorite slogan. <laughs> but a couple of things. Uh, number one is you're right about not having a, a light rail extension. Yeah. But, you know, when you look at the time that it takes to build out light rail, it's 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 extensive, lengthy. yeah. The one plus so that is 
part of Sound Transit 3, which will come online a lot faster than a lot of light rail extensions. So this will mm-hmm. be something that will benefit folks in communities like Renton and elsewhere um, mm-hmm. a lot sooner, is bus rapid transit on right. Interstate 405. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of folks that live on the 405 corridor that need that flexibility, mm-hmm. communities like Bothell and Kirkland and, and, and Renton and, and elsewhere in Newcastle, hopefully that will help make some of those regional connections. Right. You know, the other thing is, as we're building out things like light rail, all the bus service that folks are relying on today mm-hmm. that's being replaced by light rail connections, mm-hmm. those buses aren't going away. Right. We're just going to be able to serve Utilized more elsewhere. people Retask that those. aren't getting connections. So a good example yeah. is Ulink. And I think of all the people and all the students from the University of Washington and all, you know, I grew up in Kitsap County, so getting up to a Husky football game, you mm-hmm. jump on the bus, you get over there. Now you take the ferry over, you mm-hmm. walk a couple blocks, you take light rail, a couple stops up, boom, you're there at mm-hmm. the university or if you need to get UW right, Medical right, Center. Right. All those buses that were serving those routes between mm-hmm. the university and downtown, they're being redistributed. So one of the things that's really exciting is we have the fastest transit ridership growth in our region out of any metropolitan region in the country over the last decade. Mm. I believe that. The mm. last five, six years, as we've been mm. growing a lot of, mm-hmm. in terms of population, yeah. our yeah. transit ridership is growing anywhere from 50% to double the rate of population. Yeah. We're forecasting that between now and 2040, we're going to keep that trend up. And part of the way that we're going to be able to keep mm. that trend up is uh, light rail becomes a real game changer to redistribute bus service. The next right. big game changer is going to be Northgate. Mm-hmm. Northgate's right. going to turn into a, a hub. Uh, mm-hmm. Folks uh, right, right now right. Yeah. Uh, are, are making a lot of those connections to that part of Seattle. That metro bus service will be redistributed. And, uh, you know, if you're on a, a line right now where maybe the bus service is less than as frequent uh, or it's a little further uh, of a walk away than is ideal, mm-hmm. um, moving forward, those mm-hmm. buses are going to become much more frequent and they're going to get mm-hmm. much closer where you live and where you work. Right. No, I'm glad to hear some of that because even a lot of the investors I work with that want to buy large apartment complexes and things of that nature, I actually had a very interesting conversation with one the other day where they said they didn't want to be close to shopping centers. Um, and I was like, why is that? And they said, well, just because of what the retail landscape is doing, except for retail is is shifting. So we had a very interesting conversation because we were talking about the sound transit page- packages and how the people I see in certain generational groups want to live. They do still want shopping near them. It may not be the old style malls, but they do want to still have something that they can you know, not be dependent upon their car. They want to be able to walk to restaurants and shops and other things and their entertainment. And many times uh, when we're talking to people on an individual you know, real estate basis, that's what they're looking for. A lot of these young people we're talking to don't even have a car. So they're dependent on that and they're looking for that. And when I was talking to this guy, I said, well, don't you guys want to make sure that, you know, like for the, the renters that you're going to try and support, they're at least near all these lines because those are still going to be based on, you know, land use kind of a requirement, you know, for you to have that. So I don't know if you want to get that residential with some of your stuff, because if you can, if you have to have a car dependent clientele, you may not find that you don't have as many of them. That might not be the play you want to go for. But it was, it was an interesting conversation that we got into. And I made him think about that and go back to his partners and say, why don't you guys talk about that a little bit? Because it will change maybe our strategy of where we're going to look. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I hear a lot from <clears throat> folks in the TOD development, transit-oriented development, mm-hmm. that struggle of yeah. how much parking does the market require versus what's needed. Yeah. Well, I have a few more questions on traffic. We're here with Josh Brown from Puget Sound Regional Council. Stay tuned. Yeah. Uh, when we come back, more talking. <laughs> yeah. After our, after our brief. 
traffic break. <laughs> open House has open phone lines. Give us a call at 866-712-1300. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Eric Osnes from Home Street Bank. And I'm Reba Haas from Team Reba. And we're here with Josh Brown, Executive Director of the Puget Sound Regional Council. Thanks again for joining us, Josh. Absolutely. Really, Thanks really for having me. It. Yeah. So we've been talking about the, the Regional Council and, and the work that you do and, and the planning and, and the, the foresight that you're trying to, to um, you know, employ and corral, I guess, all of our, our local governments. Uh, so speaking of transportation, so we were just – talking about mass transit and we know we we just passed one of the largest you know you know bills in in the history i think of the state you know for st3 mm-hmm. um but what about the the normal schmoog like me that's sitting in traffic maybe right now you're in stop and go traffic staring at you know some bumper sticker and some what schmood. are we doing for for traffic so we talked about the growth that's hit our yeah. region mm-hmm. the last mm-hmm. few years if you look at congestion on our freeways in, mm-hmm. in the region. It's essentially doubled the amount of delay over the past five or six years. Right. Oh, Amazingly, yeah. people still have to get to work at a certain amount of time. Right. So, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, the new economy and mm-hmm. flexibility and working from home, telecommuting, all these things. Yeah. Even if you're in the tech sector, you have to yeah. show up at your Sometimes campus. Sometimes you still got to get in your car. Exactly. You got to be, there. be somewhere. Here's why these transit improvements are, are really, in, are, they're really essential for our regional economy. Transit is the only way with the geography that we have as a region that we can get capacity in the right places at the right time to grow a lot of jobs. I was asked to give a presentation to the state legislature out in Utah a few months ago, and I shared with them a lot of the big investments. And you're right, Eric, we're, we've been aggressive lately. We, there, a lot of mm-hmm. these investments, I think we all wish we would have done 10, 20, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. So we are playing catch up. But, you know, what I've shared with, with my friends in Utah is that we're being aggressive in making these transit investments because we're planning to accommodate a lot more jobs in our region. Mm-hmm. So try to stay up with us. Mm-hmm. Try to play catch up with us moving forward. Uh, a good example is, uh, you know, and the best example in our region is downtown Seattle. Mm-hmm. About 60% of the folks that uh, commute to a job in downtown Seattle, it's transit related. Another 10 or 12% are walking or biking. Mm-hmm. If you look at the number of folks that are driving by themselves to a job in the mm-hmm. Seattle CBD, mm-hmm. it's in the teens. Mm-hmm. Um, the last five or six years, we've grown about 50,000 jobs in downtown Seattle. Mm-hmm. It was about 250,000 jobs. We've added 50,000 mm-hmm. sure. to that. That's sure. substantial. Of those 50,000 new jobs, about 2,000 people are driving alone to their jobs. Mm-hmm. So that's why these trains investments are, are so important. Um, you know, but for folks that throughout our diverse region, you know, mm-hmm. are folks taking transit on every trip every time? No. You know, the preponderance mm-hmm. of trips are, are, are still uh, vehicle. Uh, In a car. You know. right, right. Exactly. And you we know, have... you're, you're picking up your kids from soccer practice. You're running right. errands. Yeah. Well, um, and we, we have the 99 tunnel, which is going to reduce capacity. We have I-5, which somebody in their wisdom, built a convention center over the top of. You yes. know, so it's it's uh, inhibited the ability to widen that. How many lanes do we have going through there? Are there any plans or anything on the table, discussions about adding lanes uh, to our, our freeways? Uh, not to Interstate 5, but also, uh, you know, for a reality check for all of us that live here, mm-hmm. we don't have plans to retrofit I-5 to make it seismically safe, Eric. 
Mm. So, you know, I think the, the biggest challenge that we have with our mm-hmm. road infrastructure, especially oh, with I-5 and our bridges and everything, is, of course. is yeah. a seismic yeah. deficiency. So right. if you look at I-5 from Boeing Field up to Lake City Way, mm-hmm. right. it's essentially elevated that whole way. Correct, yeah. Right? Um, there are no plans to seismically retrofit that elevated freeway from Boeing Field to Lake City Way. The mm. state has no plans. So our membership has been really a loud voice in asking the state legislature to make needed investments to maintain uh, and ensure that our, our freeway network are, are seismically safe. And, you know, if you look at the biggest so, projects the last couple of years, so the 99 mm-hmm. viaduct replacement as well as the new 520 mm-hmm. bridge, those are essentially seismic projects. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Yeah. Oh, sure. 99, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, 99 yeah. for sure. But the 520 yeah. br- bridge, um, you know, we've had a couple well, of bridges Well, it was falling apart. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So, so yeah. That, yeah. that was that the became, urgency yeah, there. Yeah, the pontoons were leaking and everything else. So, But, but so much so, of our focus as a in terms of the regional mm-hmm. planning work that we do, we, we know, and, you know, I share the example of Seattle, but Bellevue and elsewhere, mm-hmm. we you know, we have these major job centers, Payne Field and Aerospace. Mm-hmm. We have Renton. Um, you know, uh, other places, a big part of our focus moving forward. And when we think about a million residents moving to our region between now and 2040, we're going to have over a hundred high capacity transit station areas throughout the region. Light rails, a lot of them, but so are sounder stations in places mm-hmm, like sure. Ken and Puyallup, right. ferry terminals, uh, you know, bus rapid transit oh, um, yeah. corridors in places like Renton yeah. and elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I think the opportunity we have is as we're making these big investments in transit is figuring out how to get the most out of them. Mm-hmm. And that means connecting jobs and housing in these areas. Right. So not everybody's going to take transit all the time, but mm-hmm. in our densest job centers, it's a critical ingredient to make sure that we can grow a lot more jobs in the future. Right. Got it. Now well, – for- Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. One other question for you is is um, taxes. So so we have the fuel tax right now, and I know I think the 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 regional council is talking about a, maybe a mileage tax, and then there's a question about where that money would go. Would it still be dedicated to to um, you know, to, to roads. So can you kind of make some comments on that? Yeah, one of the things we try to do in our planning work is look around the corner into mm-hmm. the future. And I, I think, you know, what I can feel safe saying is that the type of cars that we're all going to rely on in 2040 mm-hmm. are going to be pretty different than the ones that we rely on today. Oh, no doubt. Fuel yeah. efficiency just by the federal CAFE standards is mm-hmm. increasing mm-hmm. aggressively. You know, five years ago, how many people did you know have an electric vehicle? Mm-hmm. How many people oh, do yeah. you know today? Uh, what's going to ha- and you know what's going to happen when Tesla finally starts producing those sub forty thousand dollar electric cars? Right. So we, for a hundred years, we've relied on a user based system to fund transportation infrastructure, mm-hmm. the gas tax, mm-hmm. and it's worked really well for a hundred years. But as more and more folks are shifting to these right. electric vehicles mm-hmm. or vehicles that are much more fuel efficient, how do we fund our basic system? Because the way that we fund our our federal uh, interstate system, the way we fund uh, the state system, the way we fund mm-hmm. ferries is, is predominantly based on the gas tax. So we're beginning to look around the corner mm-hmm. and say when we have, uh, you know, when we're all driving electric vehicles in mm-hmm. 2040, and, you know, we all will also probably still have that, you know, 69 Ford Mustang in the garage, we, we, but you're going to rely on that. We have the 700 horsepower Hellcat. Yeah, that, <laughs> what is that possibility? It could be, you know, it's going to be a 700 horsepower electric engine it with way be. more torque it than you can ever be. imagine, right? Yeah, it could be. But um, we're beginning to look around the corner what that means. And something like the road user charges states, the Washington State's Transportation Commission is starting to do some work looking at maybe that is a fair replacement for a user fee like the gas tax, something right. we're Would it be a replacement 
or in in addition to though totally up for state policymakers mm-hmm. you know one of the things you referenced earlier is the fact that uh, for the state's gas tax right now it's limited mm-hmm. just to be spent on roads right. some folks mm-hmm. and and that's a limitation we have in our state that's actually not a limitation for the federal government's gas tax the federal government right. uses this, their gas tax in many states on both roads and transit mm-hmm. So those are all policy questions right. that the legislature is going to have to weigh into in the future. What is it, the 18th Amendment, I think, yeah. in our state constitution that, yeah. that restricts that. But, okay, so, and, and, and I know this is a balancing act because if, 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 you, get, if you go too, too heavy in the tax area, you're going to get fatigue, and, oh, yeah. and it'll drive business away. It'll, it'll drive people away. So we have to fit, find that balance. You know, between growth and, and, and not overdoing it. Absolutely. And I don't think two years ago when the state finally passed after nearly a decade a, a transportation package, I don't think it wouldn't have passed if it wasn't for the strength and the voice of the business community saying we have to act. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still remember I, as uh, one of the things they had me do when I first joined the chamber board as I went on a legislative tour where they had us all on a bus and we were going around from – uh, new core of the steel plant and went around to multiple areas around this. And, and and people even from Eastern Washington came over for that tour to talk about what it meant for the transportation issues as they all culminated right here. And it was, it was fascinating to, to hear all of their different viewpoints and how they were personally impacted. Cause it was a wide variety of business leaders from Seattle children's hospital talking about the multi-county area that their employees come from university, Microsoft, Amazon, the port, uh, you know, people from Eastern Washington talking about what they need to have for produce and getting their exports out. I mean, it was fascinating and, and it's, and it's an ongoing big, big issue for everyone. I know just having, moved from Seattle back down to Renton 10 years ago, just watching what happened in the last 10 years of my own transit issues of getting to appointments and being on time. I have to plan my day completely differently depending on what direction I have to go. And I cover three counties. So I get to hit every single one of these roads. (laughs) That's right. So do I. Well, Josh, we're really pleased to have you on the show. Thank you so much for for having you say Josh down. If you have questions for Josh, go to PSRC.org, Puget Sound Regional Council. Thank you all for listening today. Hope it was informative. Join us every Tuesday at 3 o'clock for Open House with Team Reba. Thank you for listening to Open House with Team Reba. To contact us, visit Team Reba at re slash max metro east side on facebook or email info at teamreba.com join us again next tuesday at three for more open house with team reba here on business radio 1300 kkol program sponsored by team reba of remax metro east side and eric osnes of home street bank home mortgage business